Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk to an artist or other creative Mississippian. I'm your host, Leslie Barker, arts-based community development director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. Today, I'm talking with David Miller, director of the Alcorn State University Jazz Festival. The festival is this year's Governor's Arts Award recipient for Arts in Community. The Governor's Arts Awards will be held on February 10th at 6 p.m. at the two Mississippi museums in downtown Jackson. And be on the lookout for a special Arts Hour broadcast of the awards and a televised televised broadcast on MPB. David, congratulations on this incredible honor and thank you so much for being here. I'm very happy to be here and always enjoy talking about the jazz festival. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to learn more about it. So, you know, for our listeners who may not be familiar with the festival, tell us what it is. Well, it's a a jazz festival that uh, Russell Thomas, uh, who who ended up teaching at Jackson state for most of his career was at Alcorn for uh, a number of years. And uh, he started the festival back in 1980 and uh, his vision was to, you know, expose students in the community to uh, some of the great jazz artists and to really kind of um, educate them about the, um, the heritage of the festival because he felt that the younger kids especially really had no idea about the history of jazz and he thought that was a shame because it's such a, a rich history. In fact, it's been called uh, America's only real uh, original art form. Mm which is probably a good way to put it because I mean, other people might argue, oh, we have film, but you know, jazz is this, it really kind of represents America because it, it has all this different, it's a, it's a melting pot within itself and it reflects all the melting pot that is America. So um, so he, he really felt that, especially the African-American uh, heritage of it, of course, which is um, its origins and, and most of the major people through the history of it have been African-American as well. So. He really felt coming out of an HBCU that that would be an important thing to portray. Um, so it's been going on now. This was our, supposed to be our 40th anniversary in uh, 2020. But of course, we had a little thing called COVID that yes. got in the way. A little bit, and, yeah. <laughs> and so that festival, it was supposed to be a big 40th anniversary for the first time. We're going to have a three-day festival. It's always been a one-day festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up having to postpone at least the main part of it now four times. And it still hasn't happened. And it's supposed oh, wow. to happen the Saturday before, right before the Arts Award, uh, first weekend in February. So we're trying again. We're supposed to have Cassandra Wilson. And, you know, we've just been bouncing that around. It's been so hard to get that thing finished because COVID has been so unpredictable. And mm-hmm. other things have been so hard to get to happen. Artists were not working. Then they were working and working too much. And they couldn't, at one point, we couldn't put a band together. So it was just really kind of a difficult thing to uh, get going. But for all those years up until the 40th anniversary, the festival was like a one-day event, and most we had it on, on Saturdays. Uh, it became that became the tradition of it, and we'd have bands that came from really all over the region. At first, with a little bit more local, 
but now we've had bands that come from all over the country. We've had bands come from uh, several bands come from Texas, you know, North Alabama, uh, New York City, even and uh, mm. Chicago. So they they come from all over, and we have you know mostly college bands at this point. At one time it was uh, just a high school festival, but now we have everything from even a few junior high bands that come. In fact, oh, wow. the band that, that came down from New York, it was mostly junior high kids, and it was uh, the Roberta Flack School of Music. Oh, and wow. Yoko, and Yoko Ono actually financed a, a good part of that because uh, Roberta Flack went to her and asked for money, and uh, so, and the kids all flew down here, and that was really a great experience because they had never been in rural, in south, the rural South at all. Uh, well, at that time we were in Vicksburg, but uh, eventually the festival moved up to Vicksburg. Uh, that was <clears throat> in... Uh, I guess it was about our 22nd, 23rd festival and I, when I moved up to Vicksburg. And the idea of, of that was to reach more people. And so we're mm. a lot more accessible, especially to Jackson and, and the Vicksburg community. Um, <clears throat> you know, they've wanted us down in Natchez, but that's kind of down in the corner of the state. So this is a little more centrally located and we have better facilities down on campus. We were always kind of struggling because uh, they would never build us really good facilities for this kind of an event so it was always pretty difficult to to pull off down there it's much easier to do it at the convention center and mm -hmm. the convention center is you know it gives us a lot more flexibility in rooms and things like that so what we do is during the day i usually start off with the youngest kids and do the the high schools or the junior high if we have any start off early in the morning and then the, get into the afternoon and the college university bands play and it's really amazing how many great bands. My, my brother came out from California to actually our last full festival that we had uh, back in uh, 2019. And uh, the, he was just so impressed with the quality of the, of the students that were performed there. He said, there's gotta be something in the water. <laughs> These kids are so talented. He's coming from California where you know, you'd think there'd be some really good educational systems that would produce some great great bands but he was just really impressed with, with the whole thing it, it seems like recently we've had so many problems because even that festival was uh, that day that not, not only did three tornadoes hit Vicksburg they hit during the festival oh my goodness and we were all hunkered down in the center of the thing all the kids did their thing but we saw the storm coming and so they all left and so they didn't stick around for the evening concert which they almost always do and then we hunkered down and the tornadoes passed. Luckily, we didn't, didn't lose electricity. And so we went on with the show and we had Dee Dee Bridgewater and, and Dee Dee did a fantastic show. We didn't have too many people there, but uh, the show went on. You know, sometimes you just have to go through with it. So we went from that to, you know, COVID the next year. And so it's, it's had its trials and tribulations for sure. But you keep but going, which is amazing. Going. But, you know, when I first came to Alcorn, I, uh, I, Start, you know, I picked up the festival. It had already been going on for like six years by the time I came. And I, I had just looked at the people that had already been there at the festival. Russell Thomas did, I don't know, maybe three, or maybe four years of it. There was one person in between did a couple. And then when I came in, I just had already had had such great artists in there. And I said, well, that's, this is a tradition I've really got to keep going. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I was going to stay at Alcorn. And uh, because of that, I really have, because being able to meet all these people and, and really just get to hang out with them, mm. uh, you know, and, and the stories that I pick up and, and it just occurred to me, I, I wouldn't have this opportunity to do this really probably anywhere else. Because one thing these artists are really 
anxious to come to the festival because for, for one thing, at this point, everybody knows about it. All the great art, the jazz artists, they all know about the festival. I was in Thailand one time talking to a jazz musician and he said, oh yeah, the Alcorn Festival. Yeah, I know all about that. So-and-so and so-and-so played it and told me about it. And so the word has gotten out after all these years, but we truly have had, you know, some of the best jazz people, the most important jazz people in the history of the music. And that's always been my thing about that because almost all jazz festivals, if not all, have gone the route of, well, we want to be a big festival. So we kind of got to go away from jazz and start getting rock in there and mm. fusion. And, you know, the New Orleans Jazz Festival is a perfect example. I mean, it started off as a jazz festival. Now it's a everything else festival, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're not a jazz festival anymore. Mm. Although they have great, great jazz there, but they have all these tents going on at the same time, you know, and they have uh, Carlos Santana and all, you know, great artists of all genres, which is great. But, uh, this festival, I've always made sure to keep it not only pure jazz, but really the most important jazz musicians, the, the ones that are going to end up in history books if they're not already there. In fact, at one point, I, I used to teach a jazz appreciation class, um, and I was talking about all these artists, and, I, and I'd talk about them and say, oh, yeah, and he told me this, and he told me that, and this artist told me this, told me that. And finally, one student stopped me and said, you know all these people, don't you? I stopped and thought about it. I said, you know, I really do know an awful lot of them. <laughs> and that to me is really what's kept me going and just meeting these fantastic people. And the thing about jazz is that it's, it's one of the highest art forms there really is in any field of the arts. And yet it doesn't have this huge audience. It just doesn't have the audience that, mm -hmm. you know, rock does and, and music that's much easier to digest. I mean, visual art has similar kind of things where a lot of the great art really isn't appreciated because it's just not quite so accessible to people really have to kind of learn a little bit about it to appreciate it. Mm. I once described <clears throat> learning about jazz as it's a little bit like hearing a, a language you don't know, say uh, Mandarin. Mm. You hear it at first, it sounds like gibberish, right? And if you mm. study a little bit or listen to it for a while, after a while you start picking out words. And then <clears throat> the more you listen to it, eventually you hear whole sentences and then it starts making sense. And jazz, and even classical music is like this too, to a certain extent. The more you learn about it, the more you get out of it. And mm. you start really understanding what's going on with it. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't even understand how the format works. And they're not just up there making up stuff. They have to follow a format. They have, you know, a chord progression. And there's very specific notes that fit in very specific ways. And to express yourself within that framework, it takes years and years and years of work. And, and, and it's just a very highly developed art form but because of that a lot of people don't really understand what's going on there until they really listen to it for a while and that's kind of the purpose of the festival is to, to educate people and I really think you know through all these years of the festival that the, the whole arts community in Mississippi has developed a lot more because of it and mm. you know, the jazz <clears throat> uh, community has really grown and uh, there's a following people come from all over the place of the festival. Now I, I have people that come down from Chicago every year. You know, mm. I've had I've had people that were coming from Europe and they heard about the festival and they said, "Oh yeah, well, I have to get that get that in there when I'm traveling around." And so you know, where it really gets out, I really try very hard to get it on the internet in places where you know a lot of people will will see it, list on you know, festival listings and things like that. So it's really expanded out, but it brings a lot of people into Mississippi too, and, and mm. that's that's a great thing. So absolutely. Um, <clears throat> It, is is the festival what brought you to Mississippi? No, actually, I came to Mississippi um, to work on my doctorate at Ole Miss. 
Uh, I had been in Florida before that and done my first two degrees. And uh, by the time I was doing my doctorate, uh, Ole Miss had made an offer to me to come there and teach half time essentially while I was working my doctorate. So I came in and did that. And then I started applying to schools to teach. And uh, actually I was going through the listing of all the accredited schools and I was gonna send a cold letter back in those days. It was actually letters, you know, postage and all that Mm. (laughs) to every school that was listed there. And I got through like the C's before I realized I I couldn't afford the postage. You know, it's just too many schools. But by then I had done all core. Mm. And well, I had done all the ones, uh, all the schools in Mississippi anyway, because I was here. So I thought, you know, be a good thing to do. So all corn was just kind of an accident at first. Hmm. But when I got here and found out about the festival, I was like, wow, you know, I thought this was just a little small school, you know, maybe not not all that significant in 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 terms of what I what I wanted to do. But uh, I was just so impressed with the, the people that they had had and what the festival was, and just yeah, I got really excited about it. So it wasn't really what brought me here, but it but it it to a large degree is what kept me here <clears throat> because just having that opportunity and 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 the having the ability to actually help the community in in mississippi mm. you know and i've <clears throat> through the years the funding from the university has diminished yet at first it was funded almost entirely i have to say the mississippi arts commission has been there from the very beginning and mm. they've given us grants and been just so supportive so it, but in the beginning that was the only grant we got but as time went on they kept cutting funding and cutting funding so to mm. keep it going and especially at the level that that i had developed it to uh, I had to start writing grants. I had to start writing a lot of grants. And mm. so at, at this point, I'm writing like five or six grants every year. And when I first got up to directly um, applying to the NEA, the first year they got so excited and they put an article up on their blog and said, keeping jazz alive in Mississippi. Oh, wow. Because, <clears throat> because a lot of, you know, what they do is that they're dealing with New York and, you know, the coast mm-hmm. basically of the big cities. And so they, they get really excited when, something like this is happening in a more rural setting like mm-hmm. we are here because that's that's part of their mission too is to, to expand the arts out you know you don't want everything to be in carnegie hall all the time which exactly. they do they do support a lot of that but but they they, they really do want this to be everywhere in, in in rural communities particularly and so ever since i started applying to them i've, I've always gotten grants from them too they've been, they've been really great about that so you know i get a lot of support from from people I wish I got more support, you know, locally in my university because it mm. does kind of end up being, I end up having to write all the grants. I have to do all the paperwork. I have to set up all the food. I, I feed the kids. I have a, like a reception for, for the kids where they can actually get together and jam together and feed them. Oh, wow. That's fun. And that's really, and that, and that's really become a thing I've loved so much is these kids didn't really ever have anything where they could see, even hear what the other schools were doing. When I was at Ole Miss, for example, you know, playing the jazz band there, we had no idea what was going on in the other schools. So all, all the state schools had been to the festival and a lot, some of them come every single year. You know, all the other schools from, you know, Memphis comes down sometimes and uh, we get groups up from, uh, you know, Louisiana. We get quite a few Louisiana groups. Southern comes up pretty often. Mm. So they get to not only hear each other, meet each other. And so that networking really becomes important. And through the years now, a lot of the band directors that are bringing the kids to the festival had been in the festival when they were students. And a lot of the professional um, musicians that are out there know each other because they met each other at the festival. And uh, so some of the musicians I brought in last April for the part of the festival that we were able to do, I brought these New Orleans musicians. And the leader of that group was a 
a guy that had been down at uh, uh, at LS, uh, LSU for uh, uh, not, not LSU, I'm sorry, so, uh, Southern Miss hmm. for uh, like four years, and he every year he was in there, he won. We have an award that we give out for the most outstanding soloist, one for the high school, one for the college. And he won that like every year. And so now he's down in New Orleans leading all these great musicians. And really, so now we're mm. starting to affect the jazz scene down in New Orleans. Even. So, oh, wow. It, That's yeah, huge. So, it, it is. It is. You know? And so now I know, you know, tons of musicians from there too. And uh, <clears throat> it's really been quite an experience for, for all of us, I guess. But, uh, Absolutely. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and I'm talking with David Miller, director of the Alcorn State University Jazz Festival. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm talking with David Miller. David is the director of the Alcorn State University Jazz Festival. And the festival is this year's Governor's Arts Award honoree for arts and community. So David, one of the just most unbelievable things about this festival is the guests that you bring in, the musicians that come in from all over the world, just world-renowned jazz musicians. So we have to hear some stories. Tell us about some of the most memorable moments with these jazz musicians. Well, gosh, there's just so so many because, you know, each one of these characters is so colorful. (laughs) And I usually have have time to spend with them. You know, I even actually drive the airport. Like I, I said, I do so much for this festival. I literally do everything, every little detail I have to work out. And one of the things I end up being is the driver, mm. <laughs> which I would I wouldn't trade for anything because you have a have sort of a captive uh, time with these people, and I just hear so many stories, even stories about you know Charlie Parker and people who were dead long before the festival started. And uh, you'd hear these stories about playing with them and what they were about, you know, and a lot of times they're very intimate stories. <clears throat> Sometimes I think they're a bit elaborated. <laughs> they have to filter out some of this, some of the things, but, hmm. um, you know, a lot of these artists too have become actually good, good friends of mine and lifelong friends. And uh, so, you know, now when I, uh, I'm looking for artists, I can just call people up and say, oh yeah, you know, who do you know that I can, I can get and they'll suggest people. And so people like Terrilyn Carrington, who is uh, Arsenio Hall's musical director when he had his TV show, mm. and uh, and she, she she's really incredible. She actually got offered a, a scholarship to Berklee School of Music in uh, in Boston when she was like twelve or something. Huh, wow! Because she was just so incredible you know, as a drummer, and I've had her the most number of times of anybody really. 
Uh, she's been there four times as a guest artist, and she's helped me put together some really fantastic, like all-star groups. The first all-star group I, I had her was actually the first year that we were in, in Vicksburg, and uh, Randy Brecker uh, and I, who I had met, has been a friend of mine uh, forever too, <clears throat> actually helped me put that one together. But since then, the all-star groups have been mostly put together with, with Terry Lynn. And uh, <clears throat> at one point, uh, I decided I was going to do an all-female group because it occurred to me that she had been the first female that I'd ever had as, as a guest artist. And that didn't seem quite right because the number of women in jazz now has really grown uh, mm. considerably. And so <clears throat> I wanted to have, uh, you know, the best all-female group I could possibly put together. So Terry Lynn and I kind of worked on that. Uh, I had had Joe Lovano uh, a few years this is after uh, after I had Terry the first time, <clears throat> and Esperanza Spalding. I don't know if mm -hmm. you're familiar with her. She was playing bass with with uh, with Joe, <clears throat> and nobody had known her then. She was like 24 years old. Oh, that's cool. And she was there playing, and just the joy of what she was playing with. And I just looked at her and I said, "She's going to be a star." And, and she to, is. <laughs> and she is. And I got to spend the entire next day with her because everybody else's flights were earlier, so I got them to the airport. I got to spend the whole the, the whole next Sunday with her. And, and what a great person she was. And she, she and I just got to talking and everything. And so I decided, uh, oh, you've got to be in this all-female group. And so within two years, I put in, together this group with, with Terry Lynn Carrington, Esperanza Spalding, Jerry Allen, who was you know, one of the great piano players no longer with us, unfortunately, and a young sax player named Grace Kelly, who's done a lot of stuff out there now. And, and uh, she was just kind of getting started. But, but that group, uh, oh, and Dee Dee Bridgewater, we had singing so that was the first time I had Dee Dee <clears throat> and uh, that group just was so good that everybody in there was just amazed at how good the music was I just wish that I had, I had somehow recorded that because it was just kind of a once in a lifetime thing and you just would never expect you could have heard a pin drop in, in that audience I mean nobody moved <laughs> it was just so incredible hmm. and I was standing off the side of the stage with Dee Dee Bridgewater because they, they were doing a couple instrumental numbers before she came on and she and I just looked at each other and both of us just had tears streaming down. Mm. It, was just, it was that good. And you know, then she got up and did her thing and, and just added so much to it. And after the whole thing was over, I went back in the dressing room and they were all just totally exhausted and just so, so giddy about how good the music was. And so you just don't know. It just, it just this magic just happened in, in Vicksburg mm. of all places. Some of the best music I ever heard. And I, I was really kind of choked up just trying to talk about it at the end of the festival and, and tell people how special I thought it was. And I think everybody there totally agreed with it. It, it was so good that Dee Dee had put that same group together for a thing at, uh, uh, I don't forget what it was, at the Lincoln Center, I think. So, you know, what started in Vicksburg, Mississippi ends up as being one of the premier places in New York <clears throat> because it, it began here. But, you know, that's just one of those magic times. You just don't know. Sometimes you get really great musicians and the concert's not that great. You just, you don't know. But in, in the, the case of that, that was one of the best groups that I ever had. Uh, and the next year I had McCoy Tyner who played with John Coltrane you know, for years mm -hmm. and years. And he's one of the great piano players of all time. And every piano player since. <laughs> I was riding with him from the airport and we're listening to something on WJSU. And McCoy says, oh, that's, that sounds like me the piano player that we're listening to and i said mccoy everybody sounds like you now <laughs> he changed everybody and he said yeah you're right <laughs> so you know just little things like that 
and McCoy became a, a, a good friend too. And unfortunately he's since passed away. But through the end of the festival, after spending all this time with him, and I kind of helped him with his workshop, too, at the end of the whole thing, he just kind of looked at me and said, I'm going to remember you. And, mm -hmm. you know, moments like that, someone like McCoy Tyner, you know, saying he's going to remember you is, is really, you know, how, how can you buy that? You can't, right? <laughs> just, just so special. <clears throat> and he was such a special guy. He's just so sweet. As most of these people are, very few of them have a huge ego. I've had my, I've had a few of those, and it, usually the bigger stars they are, the kind of the harder the deal they are to deal with. It's not, you know, universal truth, but um, Chick Corea, who I had a couple years ago, was a little bit difficult to deal with, but mm -hmm. Chick is just so incredible, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I'd want to have have him for a long time. He's usually too expensive, but I was able to bring him in, mm -hmm. and uh, he he was just so fantastic. He did a thing where he he had students come up and play with it like four hands on the piano and he said oh, we're not going to do any any tunes or anything uh the, the setup we're just going to start playing to see what mm -hmm. happens and he was even doing stuff like reaching around behind the kid and playing on the other side of him and, but the things that came out of these kids were just incredible and these kids are never going to forget that be sitting oh, up there with with a monster like chick Corea and, <laughs> and was bringing this music out you know, I told him after the, after the concert, I said, you know, I, I, it's just so incredible that you could do that. It, you know, these kids are never going to forget that. You've given them something that's just beyond value. <clears throat> and so, you know, he's just such a great artist. But, you know, he was a big star. So there were certain things he wanted everything a certain way. So you, I had to adjust a lot of things. And you get that every now and then. Most of them are just really flexible and, and they go on with anything. And speaking of the workshop, this is a huge part of the festival because it's kind of the mm. educational part of it. So I always have the artists do a workshop in the afternoon or after, right after all the student groups are done. So they're all still there before I have the student reception where they get to play together. Um, we have the workshop and this year we're going to try to bust in a bunch of kids from all over Vicksburg, <clears throat> you know, mm. younger kids from the music programs and, and try to get them all involved in that too. But I always leave it open to how the artists want to do it. It usually ends up being mostly a question and answer thing and everybody gets to ask them questions. And that's the thing too about these, these festivals is that most of these artists, you spend you know, 50, 100, 150 bucks to, to see them in the big venues in bigger cities and you never get anywhere near them. You, know, you might be up in the nosebleed section, but here at the festival, now you get, can be, get very close to them to hear the concert. Now, nobody's that far away from them because there's just not that many people in the audience. But you're actually getting a chance to ask them questions and even meet them. And, you know, that just doesn't exist hardly anywhere. So that's, that's just such a great opportunity, especially for the kids. You know, they can ask all kinds of, of questions. Mm. And some of them are about their career. Some of them are about, you know, specific things about playing music or what they have to do to prepare to, to become a jazz musician. And, uh, and sometimes it's just more inspirational stuff they talk about. And, you know, telling kids that, they can achieve certain things because you just have to believe in yourself, you know, those kind of things that, mm. that are just so, so bad for kids to hear. I think it's, it's changed a lot of lives through the years, <clears throat> but, you know, <clears throat> unfortunately so many of the artists that I've had through the years, because um, a lot of them were, were later in their careers, you know, when they were famous and so many of them are, are not, not with us anymore. And I, you know, so many special uh, conversations that I've had with people like Max Roach, and he, he was one that would tell me about playing with Charlie Parker and, and playing with all these people uh, <clears throat> that were 
that I had studied when I was a kid. Well, I didn't really study. I just learned about them, read about them, and listened to their music. And told me so many stories. And Freddie Hubbard, who I'll talk about a little bit later, because I think we have a, a tune by him coming up. And We do. And so when we get close to that segment, I'll talk a little bit about him and the stories with him because he was he was pretty incredible. Uh, Louis Belson was another drummer. You know, Louis Belson has the the distinction of, of the person who's played at the White House more times than anybody. So mm. you know he had stories. You know he had stories about all these entertainment people, and just the sweetest guy in the world. I mean, just incredibly sweet. And he actually came and he wanted to hang out and do kind of a residency at Alcorn. Stayed around for several days, and his wife did a uh, a lecture. She's a nuclear physicist of all things, <clears throat> and uh, you know, so she he was talking about that. But it was really inspirational stuff. And so, you know, they just wanted to come and really spend time with the kids. And so, so many of them really do. And uh, so, you know, just kind of list some of the people that that we've had the years. Ramsey Lewis, we've had. Uh, I think he's been three times now. Um, of course, I mentioned uh, Terry Blanch, uh, Terrence Blanchard. Uh, we had the Yellow Jackets, um, <clears throat> Benny Golson, uh, Roy Hargrove is another one mm. uh, who who just recently died. And uh, and I I met Roy when he was uh, just out of high school, I guess. And he ended up being probably the greatest trumpet player of his generation. Well, he and, and Whitney Marcellus. Um, mm. <clears throat> so you know, great. Great spending time with him too. He was he was quite a character. I really enjoyed working with him. Nicholas Payton's another really good trumpet player out of New Orleans. Um, all those people, in fact, had gone to NOCA, which is the New Orleans uh, School for the Creative Arts, and uh, they all studied with Ellis Marcellus, which is Bramford and Winton's father. Mm. You know, at one point early on in the festival, I think it was like, I don't know, the old second or third year I, I had done that. I thought, you know, I know, I know all these great artists. I had just started to really meet a lot of them. In fact, Russell Thomas introduced me to Ellis Marcellus at one of these jazz conferences that, that we all go to. And I thought, you know, I know all these great jazz artists. and I know all these, you know, really good filmmakers in Florida. And uh, I should put them together and make a, make a documentary. So I started working on that and uh, it took me about 10 years, but I put together a documentary uh, about Ellis Marcellus because I always felt that he was a very much an unsung hero, very much overshadowed by his kids who were very famous at that point and were famous by the time they were teenagers, really. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did this film and I know that his kids have felt that way about it too. And uh, so I did all these interviews with, with all the kids and, and him and, you know, uh, a lot of the artists that had come through the Noka school and I got it finished and got it on PBS and it played all over the country for uh, a number of years. And I guess it surfaces every now and then, but it's called Ellis Marcellus jazz is spoken here. So that was mm. kind of a side thing that came out of the festival in, in a kind of a roundabout way that, uh, you know, it's reached out, you know, when you do something like that, it reaches millions of people when you, when you get it on national PBS. So, <clears throat> oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with the director of the Alcorn State University Jazz Festival, David Miller. The festival will be honored this year at the Governor's Arts Awards, which will be held on February 10th at 6 p.m. at the two Mississippi museums in downtown Jackson. So David, as we talk about this just world-renowned festival that happens here in Mississippi, I have to ask, how how does Mississippi, how does this place affect or pour into this festival and this art form? Well, one thing I, I always try to point out when I talk about the festival, or even writing grants for the festival, is that where we are in Mississippi, especially where Alcorn is, <clears throat> it's pretty, it's midway between the birth of jazz, which, you know, it's overgeneralizing a bit, but it's, it's New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, where jazz really came together in New Orleans and the birth of the blues, which is the Mississippi Delta. Again, it's kind of generalized, there were blues different places, but those are the two main early hubs of, of jazz and blues. And we're right smack in the middle of it and mm. right on the river, as a matter of fact, too. And so and even Vicksburg is right on the river <clears throat> going up through the Delta. In fact, the Delta pretty much starts just north of Vicksburg. Mm. So we're just so centrally located when it comes to the, the birth of so much Amer- American music. And really, when you look at the artists that have come from, from Mississippi, if you look at the Governor's Arts Award, it's, it's, it's a good indication of all the different types of music and the other arts, too, of course, literature mm. and and, and theater and, and you know, uh, even Hollywood stars, I mean, they come from Mississippi, but particularly music. And they, I guess that's become kind of a slogan here is the birthplace of American music. And there's so much truth of that. There's, you know, great uh, country artists who come from here and, and the blues and, and uh, jazz players. People don't really think of a lot of jazz players coming from Mississippi, but a lot of them did come from Mississippi uh, very early on. Uh, some of them left when they were young. Lester Young, uh, probably the first, one of the first great ten- tenor players of all time, was from Woodville, <clears throat> mm. as was William Grant, still one of the great African-American uh, classical composers, um, came from there. <clears throat> from Vicksburg had uh, Milt Hinton and uh, the, the, the Jones brothers, uh, Hank Jones particular, came from there. And Mulgrew Miller, uh, another one of the great piano players that most people didn't know about that much, uh, came from Greenville. In fact, um, putting those two together, you know, in a little bit of a story, is I started this award, too, that I give at the festival every year for, um, I call them Mississippi Jazz Icon Awards, and I give out two of them. I've been doing that for, I don't know, seven or eight years now, maybe maybe ten. And I give out one, for, I call it a legacy award for somebody who's no longer with us, and uh, a contemporary award, not contemporary jazz, what they call contemporary jazz, which is really pop music, uh, but the, just mm-hmm. mean they're alive. And uh, <clears throat> so the second time I had Mulgrew Miller, who was just such a great piano player, and uh, you know he started off doing uh, gospel music and stuff in, in Greenville, and so he's very you know, church roots to him. He's one of the great jazz piano players of all time. And uh, Hank Jones is from Vicksburg. Um, who is also one of these great unsung piano players who you know, all the jazz players know him as one of the greatest of all time. Very few people even know his name. So both those people really deserve an award. And when I started giving the award, I thought those two awards, if I could keep them in the same instrument, would really be kind of special. 
And so I gave Mulgrew Mill, the contemporary one, and the legacy one to Hank Jones, who he just passed away. I just missed having him at the Jazz Festival, too. I was working on that. Just mm -hmm. such a great player. <clears throat> so when I gave those awards out, and Mulgrew was just so honored by that, that he got up and just gave this long speech about how much he appreciated, uh, mm -hmm. you know, getting the award and appreciated Mississippi. And you know, he's the homeboy. And uh, there are just so many great people coming out of Mississippi that, that don't get recognized. Of course, there's a lot of crossover too between this Governor Governor's Arts Award and the awards that I give. So the jazz people, a lot of those are in, uh, have gotten both of those awards. Mm. Um, so, but there are what you know, giving out these awards, you get two two a year. It's just amazing how many people through the years, all the way back to the earliest jazz, um, came from Mississippi, and, and most people don't really mm. think about that. This is being, you know, but it's it's really when it comes to like any kind of music, as I said, that it, there are, were some of the greatest. Uh, performers and contributors to those musics that, that came from here. So, you know, people can say things about Mississippi, but they sure can't say that when it comes to the arts, that there isn't something really special that, uh, about the creativity that comes out of the state. And I think this festival so really helps to keep that alive. <clears throat> so uh, that's also been part of my mission is to, to make people aware of it. That's why I started doing the award, because I felt like there were so many people that people didn't even know about that, that came from here. Even some of the people who are famous, like uh, like Lester Young, the Prez, they call him, the president of, of the tenor sax. Uh, very few people knew that he came from Mississippi. So, and he was certainly one of the greats. But I think, you know, the kids, the kids get so much out of that. And to connect these great artists, especially bringing people back like Mulgrew Miller, who have done so much out there in the world <clears throat> and play with just all the great players, to get them to come back and, and have the kids see what can be done. And that, you know, you're not out in the woods here necessarily. You can jump out of the woods and, and really do so many things. So I think this festival really helps them to see that. And, and the, the whole thing about kids being able to actually hear these great artists and, and hear them speak in the, in the workshop and hear what they have to say, they don't get an opportunity to do that really ever. So, and, and sometimes I'm just looking at the workshop is going on, I'm just looking at the kids and I'm like, their mouths are hanging open. It's like, I didn't know this existed, you know. So <laughs> I, think, I think it's changed a lot of lives. And that's really what keeps me going in this festival is that I really think I have helped so much with, with the kids, especially, but even the community. You know, I think mm. I've opened up a lot of eyes. A lot of people have said, oh, I didn't know anything about jazz. I started coming to the festival. And, uh, you know, they just, have fallen in love with it and they come every year well by the mm -hmm. way something i haven't really mentioned about this festival which is really important and very unique is that it's been free for, for the entire history of this festival even as great as these artists are and i mentioned that you know you can pay hundreds of dollars to hear these people in, in concert in different settings but the festival has been entirely free charge the entire time and trust me i've had pressure to start charging admission and all that kind of stuff through the years because money got tight but rather than do that, I went out and spent, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours writing grants rather mm. than, than charging money. And, and the reason for that is because I want it to be accessible to everyone. I want everyone to be able to come and hear. I don't want anybody to say, oh, I don't have the money. You know, I'm too poor or whatever. No, you're not. <laughs> All you have to do is get there. You know, so. That's incredible. <clears throat> That's, yeah. that is just amazing we we just love that the accessibility to the arts just wonderful and i you know i can't believe our, our time is is wrapping up here with the interview and there's so much more i want to ask you but 
you know, if somebody wants to come to the festival, how do they do that? Well, you just show up and uh, <laughs> I try to get the word out the best I can. Uh, one, one thing we do do is we, we get uh, on, on the Mississippi Public Radio. I, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I get grants that specifically do advertising. And I, I put most of that into the Mississippi Public Radio because it reaches the entire state. Mm-hmm. So within the, a week or a week and a half before the festival, it's always announced on there. And I make sure the word gets out on there. You know, we also try to get it on all kinds of other media too, in papers and online and festival listings. So you have to just kind of and look. And we have a website too. It's uh, uh, easy to find. It's uh, uh, what is it? It's uh, Alcorn slash Jazzfest dot edu. Gotcha. <clears throat> or or alcorn.edu slash jazz fest i guess all right anyway it's, it's pretty easy to find you can google it and, and google it yes google that's always the best way to go but you can find out about it that way too <clears throat> but what we have coming up because we got behind on covid and i'm still trying to finish up this 40th anniversary they got postponed like four times or part of it did uh the last day of it is is scheduled for uh uh april <clears throat> um uh, that's not right. Excuse me, February fourth, and fifth. And I'm not exactly sure how those two days are going to work out. Maybe the workshop on the fourth and the concert on the fifth, or maybe the whole thing on the fifth. They have to just kind of keep your ears open for what ends up happening with that. And then the forty first, and this is the first time I've ever done this. Is trying to do two festivals in one semester, mm. and I really haven't done much to to figure out who the artist is going to be or anything on that one. But that's going to be April seventh through ninth. It's going to be a three day festival one day at Alcorn, and then we'll have the Friday night up in Vicksburg outside. Both of those will probably be outdoors, weather permitting. And then we'll have the all-day festival that Saturday, which is, by the way, the weekend before the the Mississippi Arts Award. And this is my 36th year doing this. Cassandra Wilson is the scheduled artist for um, the the February date, but that's still not totally locked in. So, uh, But she did the artist that we've been trying to do all these times that's been postponed, so... That's, that, those are the festivals coming up in the next few months. So it, it's always in the Vicksburg Convention Center, the main day is. Uh, one thing I'd really like to see more people come to hear the bands, the school bands during the day, mm. because they're so fantastic. And, you know, most of the community people just come to the evening concert or, you know, a fair amount come to the workshop too. All of it's totally open to the public and, and it's all free. So everybody just needs to come out and come to it. David, thank you so much for being here. It's been incredible to hear your stories. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.